0: Well, good morning, Rivertree. It's good to see so many of you. I've missed some of our students. I'm glad to see you healthy in here. I hope you all are feeling better. Um, Teddy is currently feeling y'all's pain right now. He is down with flu A. Um, so I am here solo with the boys. Um, new territory for us. But it's pretty cool that they are surrounded by such love, and I deeply appreciate that. Um, but good morning also to those of you watching online. I'm not sure who we have with us this morning, but um, good morning to you, and I'm glad that you are with us. So, our scripture this morning comes from Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. Time out. The Greek for that phrase is semion. And this is something that we see frequently in the New Testament, and it indicates that Jesus is about to perform or do some sort of miraculous thing. So... Keep an eye out for that as you're reading through the Gospels. Back to our text. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger when suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened. Let's see this thing which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. Has anybody heard this passage before? It's a familiar passage, right? Um, But as I was studying through it, there were a few things That jumped out at me. Um, There was the shepherds, there was the angels, and there was the phrase, let's go to Bethlehem. So this morning I'm wondering if together maybe you would join me in taking a closer look, perhaps through a different lens, at this very familiar story. So what do you say? Are you in? Cool, two of you are. It's gonna be a long 20 minutes for the rest of you. So The time frame that this occurred was sometime between the year 4 and 6 BC, and we know this because of the time of Herod's death, which the scholars do have nailed down pretty tightly, and the time of the census. That one's for free. Here we go. So, let's start with the shepherds. At this time in this culture, shepherds were a vital component to the community. Their job consisted of obviously guarding the sheep, but also making sure that they had grass and water, making sure that they were safe from any predators, um, tending to any sickness or injury that might occur. Also, they had to uh, spend extensive hours exposed to the elements. They would often spend long days and nights literally chasing after the sheep that wandered. So, does this job sound important to you? It's a very important job. However, they were not valued. These shepherds were not valued members of society. And typically, the role of shepherd fell to the youngest boy in the family. The little brother is typically the one that was out watching the sheep. And we see this, right? We see this in the story of um, Jesse in 1 Samuel. It's 1 Samuel 16, when when, uh, Samuel goes to Jesse's house, not Jesse, ancient. Jesse. Goes to Jesse's house, and God has called him to this specific home, and he is there to anoint the next king. And Jesse's super excited, and he brings out all eight of his sons, and they're strapping young boys. And Samuel was not impressed because he knew God was not impressed. And he said to Jesse, don't you have any other sons? And Jesse was like, well, technically I do, but it's little David, and he's out in the field with the sheep not king material. And so do you know what happens next? Do you know what Jesse, or what Samuel says to Jesse? He commands him. He says, we are not moving from this spot until you bring the boy in. And so they stay there, and he anoints the future king of Israel. So another thing that has been suggested by scholars is in addition to it, the shepherds being young boys, Sometimes they were actually elderly men. Um, Some scholars even go so far as to suggest that these men um, suffered from something, an unidentified form of what we would call dementia. And as horribly insensitive as it sounds to us, they were essentially put out to pasture. One other thing that we can know about these shepherds is because of the proximity of where they're located in the text to Jerusalem, These shepherds might have just been guarding the flock that was used in the temple for the sacrifices. So that's a very important role. However, ironically, these shepherds were not eligible to worship at the temple. As important as their role was for temple worship, they were excluded from temple worship. They worked on the Sabbath, and they were perceived as unclean by the rest of society. Here's the bottom line. The shepherds were the common folk, maybe even less than that. Socially, they were on the lowest rung of the ladder. There was nothing seemingly remarkable or special about them. Okay, enough there. Let's move on to the angels. This is what the text says about the angels. If you have your Bibles, open them with me. We're in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. When suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on those with whom his favor rests. Friends, I believe that this is the single most important night in all of human history. Are you with me? There must have been great anticipation. I mean imagine it. All of heaven must have been on high alert. And what a thrill For this angel to have the honor of announcing the long-awaited birth of the messiah to the shepherds so the scriptures say that there's a great company of heavenly hosts that appeared with the angel so we have one angel and then we have a great company of heavenly hosts now we don't know for a fact that they were all angels we assume they were angels i mean but it doesn't really say. It could have been uh, the cherubim and seraphim. It could have been the four living creatures that we read about in Revelation. We don't know. The point is that all these beings are there to give glory to God for this miraculous thing that even the angels gaze at in wonder. Can you imagine What a sight and what a sound is all of heaven was praising God in what must have been the most beautiful concert ever to have occurred on earth. And what a message for all of humanity. And the shepherds heard it first. Don't you find that interesting? The shepherds are there having their night watch. And suddenly there's this exuberant light and this beautiful symphony that comes down to them. Always remember that God does to those that need God. God does to those who need God. God goes to those that need Him. God goes to those who have time to listen. And on this night, it was the shepherds. The angels were sent to these shepherds with sights and sounds and a message to behold. It was sent to those who have time to hear a message from heaven, a message to be pondered. We don't really ponder anymore, do we? Have you noticed that too? The word ponder is literally defined as this. To think or consider, especially quietly, soberly, and deeply. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you gave yourself the capacity to pause and to wonder? Maybe the shepherds had a capacity for wonder that we simply don't maintain. Maybe they'd been hoping for a message from heaven. Are you? Are you interested in a surprise from heaven? Do you have the childlike faith to expect, to anticipate, to hope? Many of us have lost our ability to wonder. And I suppose it's easy to do when we are consumed with the griefs and the losses and the disappointments that come with this life and it's all too easy to adopt a cynical outlook. And the cynicism, that's what crowds out the wonder, because it's by far easier to be cynical than to hold space for something that is beyond us, something that is unknown, or to contemplate, or simply hope. Creating space to actively choose to ponder, to wonder, while maintaining a posture of humility are not done well in our society. We are constantly bombarded with information. We literally have technology and media at our fingertips, and we must ponder in the quiet. So with the noise and the electronics continually surrounding us, we have to be intentional about setting the smartphone down and walking away. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine setting your phone down and going for a walk in the quiet, not listening to music, not listening to a podcast. I mean, I get it. It's how I roll. You know, and honestly, I I do my best work with a lot of noise. So, you know, works out well for me. But I also know that when I take the moment to sit and to be still and to be silent, it's in those moments that I hear from God. And it's in those moments where I can take that grief and that pain, and whatever it is, it's irritating my soul, and I can surrender it. And it's in those moments where I can also say, your will be done. But, you know, I think that many of us, if we're honest, we kind of like the distraction. But if we continue to choose the distraction over God, if we choose subconsciously or intentionally to not tend to the hurt, and the trauma, and the conflict within our soul, if we hold on to the grief by burying it within us, then what happens? Well, when put into storybook form, one might say our heart was two sizes too small. But what happens when we stay there? We become bitter, and we we become resentful. We see others that exude hope, and love, and joy, and not only do we resist them, but we actually try to squelch their joy. Does that sound familiar? It's the Grinch. (laughs) Typically, we see this play out in passive-aggressive ways. And we do this because our subconscious belief is it's not right, it's not fair, that they have a life that offers them goodness and happiness. And when we operate out of that bitterness, we find their joy To be such an irritant to our wounded soul. And such was the case for our poor friend the Grinch. His misery wanted company. Although he would never have admitted that to anyone, not even himself, but isn't that funny how our behavior is such an indicator to those around us as to what's going on inside of us that we refuse to even acknowledge? The problem with the Grinch was that he was surrounded by happy, loving people. People who actu- actively chose joy. And here's the Grinch, lost in his profound cynicism. And you know how the story goes. In an attempt to soothe his hurting soul, he took and he stole. He robbed all those around them of their, of him, all, he robbed all those around him, excuse me, of their supplies and accessories to celebrate in a joyous occasion like Christmas. But their joy was not attached to their material items, and neither was it attached to their circumstances. Together, all of Whoville boldly proclaimed joy despite the trauma and the loss. Their joy proclaimed was contagious, it was inspiring, and it was transforming. Do you know what this is called? Jesse, help me out. What is this called? Great joy. It's the megakara. Just a fun little tidbit for you. So we get this from a compound of mega, meeting a ton, and kara of joy. It's mega joy. It's mega joy that all of Whoville is proclaiming. It's mega joy that God sent with the angels to the shepherds. It's mega joy that the shepherds absorbed and shared. But the reality was that these shepherds, they'd been jibbed by society. But as we continue to see throughout this passage, the shepherds actively chose a different attitude. They embraced their humble posture. They served instead of becoming consumed with, I mean, seemingly the disadvantage, the unfair disadvantage that they had in life. And scripture doesn't say that the shepherds were necessarily looking for a sign. And neither does it say that they were particularly interested in anything other than what would get their herd through the night. But nevertheless, the angels went to these lowly shepherds to deliver the first birth announcement of the long-awaited Savior. And I must ask again, are we creating space within our lives and with, in our spirits to not only anticipate, but to receive? To anticipate the work that God is going to do, regardless of the circumstances, even though the pain attached is very real, are we willing to stand firm in our faith and declare the hope that although we don't know how and we don't know when, we know the character of our God, and because of who God is, we can still boldly proclaim God's joy. It's hard though, isn't it? Um, The author, Max Fabier, in his book Sociology of Religion, describes what he calls as disenchantment. I will read this to you. It is a subtle but strong resistance to the faith, a skepticism towards anything that veers towards the supernatural, a disenchanted world has been drained of all magic, of any supernatural presence, of spirits, of God, and of transcendence. A disenchanted world is a material world where what you see is what you get. However, he says, it is not a world entirely without God. Rather, it is a world where God and religion are superfluous and you can believe whatever you want, as long as you don't expect it to affect your everyday circumstances. That hit me pretty hard. The problem is that this scripture that we're reading in our text, this is as ordinary as it gets. It was the most mundane of circumstances, the most ordinary of people, but there was one thing different. Do you see it now? The shepherds had the capacity to wonder. They had the capacity to be amazed they had the capacity to receive. You see, when we're obsessed with our own despair, it's easy to get depressed. It's easy to be depressed with our own life. And sometimes, the only way out of your skin is into someone else's story. Sometimes, it's actually in the helping others that helps our own wounds. Sometimes, the way out of your misery is to help someone else out of theirs. My favorite author, my all-time favorite author, Ann Voskamp, puts it like this. Disclaimer. The imagery is a little intense. Stick with me. Apathy is what amputates people from the body of Christ. It is in the distance and indifference that the body becomes dismembered, and we are all desperate to stop feeling abandoned and cut off. This is the reality of the body of Christ. Selfishness is a form of self-mutilation. Try sitting with that for a minute. Merry Christmas. Let's come up for air for just a moment. I told you there was three things that stood out to me. And the third thing that stood out to me in this passage was the shepherd's response that's in verse 15. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby laying in a manger. Do you see that? What did the shepherds do? What did the shepherds do? They up and went. They heard a message from God. They received that message from God. And they shared that message from God. So the supernatural angelic concert has concluded. The angels have gone back to wherever it was that they came from. And the shepherds, almost as if their hearts were speaking in unison, said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that the Lord has told us about. Their response was immediate. They completely yielded themselves up to it. They didn't keep it as a distance as though indirectly affected by it. And personally, I imagine as the shepherds are running to find this baby that's the Messiah lying in a manger, there must have been this rhythmic beating going on. I mean, they were probably running and their their hearts had to have been like beating out of their chest. And in that sound, do you think you could almost trace the vibrations of that angelic concert? These shepherds are ready with such perfect acceptance. Their hearts are practically leaping forward to meet and embrace the gospel and the son of God of the angels. And this morning, I'm wondering wondering if we could just take a moment and just honestly consider, do we have the same obedience to what God calls us to? Do you expect to hear from God regularly? Do you expect to hear from God frequently? Do you have the courage to seek and expect the extraordinary? May we find within us hearts like shepherds and voices like angels. May we surrender to the beauty and to the glory of a God born in a manger and see how God loves us. Will you pray with me?